Hello and welcome to Do the Right Thing, your weekly writing prompt podcast. I'm Matthias, and I'm Jarvis. Uh, Jarvis and I are aspiring screen screen screenwriters. Screen, screen we wrote writers. screen plays. That's how it is said. But we never have <laughs> gone to film school. Exactly. So we're doing a challenge. Each week we sit down. Our goal is to write a complete short story using three of four randomly generated words. Uh, then we come on the podcast, we read the story, we talk about what we learned in writing it, and then we talk about stories written by you listeners. Exactly. We're simply here to help you do the right thing. A, a Doof, Doof Media, Media production. production. Dope. Uh, we are joined this week by, by two guests, uh, Joey Winnert and uh d- d- colin i don't what's your last name galoon it's good no worries okay I'm, i apologize no. i did not memorize it beforehand That's fine. i'm not a real host anymore i lost my host badge uh <laughs> um can you guys uh yeah introduce yourselves uh, tell us tell us uh, what's what's up uh you can do it first colin well thank you joey i appreciate that uh i've been on the show before uh oh okay well as my good friend joey said my name is colin uh, Colin Galoon, to be exact. I'm a, uh, I'm a student at the University of North Texas right now, pursuing a major in advertising and a minor in English. I am an aspiring filmmaker. Um, I've been filmmaking since I was a very young lad. Um, always have always uh, had the bug for creating stories and specifically filming them. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much it. I'm I'm Joey's co-host on Keep It Short the Short Film Club's official podcast at the University of North Texas, um, and where we just talk about short films that our peers have made and everything else movie-related. Uh, Joey, why don't you tell them about yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, Joey Wainer. Um, I make movies, uh, and I want to make more of them. And uh, I'm also a comedian. I'm funny. Sometimes. I feel mine was a little <laughs> too formal. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not I, that I was serious. Like, How am I gonna? That's I feel a, like yeah. I should. I, what I should have done is just said the exact same thing word for word what you that said because it's, it's almost exactly true. Thing, only yeah. I'm a film major and not an advertising yeah. major, um, which which means I'm a dummy because yeah, it's, it's, it's it's so much smarter. <laughs> I mean, I don't to, want to ever say that to you, but yes, that's what I'm thinking constantly. <laughs> oh, every time I talk, I know Colin's head is like this guy's a dummy. Yeah, I'm like uh such a straight geez. dummy. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. We do keep it short, the podcast. Uh we we which Matthias and Jarvis were on today. About and, thirty uh, minutes ago. Ten, ten minutes ago about. Yeah, yeah, about um, ten minutes ago. Yeah, it's a it's a great movie discussion podcast, so go check it out, if only to to check out our episode and then go binge the rest. Uh I, I vouch <laughs> for it. I enjoyed listening to it. Uh, I mentioned before we started recording, um, I was listening to it and I was like, okay, they put on music this whole episode. That's interesting. Weird that the like the music like has words. Kind of makes it hard to to understand what they're saying. It's an interesting <laughs> choice. And then it wasn't until like I was like three quarters of the way through that I noticed I had another tab open with lo-fi beats and I just forgot to turn it off. So that was definitely a different vibe. It probably costs a lot to have music throughout an entire podcast, right? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, you probably have to buy the rights to that song yeah. and probably multiple songs too yeah mm-hmm. and we um, are poor <laughs> but yeah given the the uh specialties of our guests this week our theme is scripts where we wrote Woo! script this week um so we actually we, we changed up the the format a little bit it was by the suggestion i think joey you suggested this uh where uh jarvis and i and joey and colin um 
uh, collaborated on two scripts. So yes, we did. Uh, they are co-written. Um, so that was a. This is one of the first times I've written like a script in actual script format. Um, but of course, you guys have done that plenty of times before. How was uh, doing the right thing for you guys? Um, it was great. I love Joey and I are always like just constantly throwing around ideas for things. Um, and, uh, it was fun to actually kind of sit down and, and, uh, actualize that. It was fun. We like, we both just started off. I just like said something and then I was like, I, this is what I've been thinking of a lot recently. And Joey was like, well, this is what I've been thinking of a lot recently. And then we were like, all right. And then from there, we just kind of, <laughs> we just kind of let it trickle down from there. And like, we kind of like just waited through some of the better stuff until we hit on one idea that was making us, um, making us both laugh and we were like all right we're gonna do this one and then from there everything came pretty easily yeah it was real quick like when i wrote my story for y'all what in back in june Mm -hmm. um it feels like it was like two weeks ago (laughs) yeah it's just i I, i'm not a fan of the year um Mm -hmm. hot take (laughs) 2020 bad um (laughs) but like yeah, no, we, we sat down to do it. I had just gotten home from work, and I was like, let's sit down and just crank this out in, like, 20 minutes. And it was really, it was so quick. Like, I, the first idea we came up with is what we ended up going with, because it was just, like, I was really proud of just me and Colin cracking the story for this thing really quickly, and we need to force ourselves to write more things together. Absolutely. Because it's, it's a good time. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, how was putting the words for this week into your story? Like, did you find any problem with it? Did the words kind of inspire what you did end up writing? I feel like it was pretty easy for us. I think we came up with a story first and then figured out how to organically work in the words. Mm-hmm. But there's like, it's it's funny. Like, it's there. All the words are just in one like block of dialogue. <laughs> like, it just it fits yeah. well with the. Uh, um, with the 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 characters or the the kind of the characters world or whatever like all of them all three that we picked fit um very well and it's also just funny too to just knock them all out in like the same like uh same paragraph like it's it's a silly side note for you know the people who actually knew like what the words were supposed to be because when you read the script it doesn't read like the words are out of place but if you were looking for those specifically you'd be like that's hilarious they just put them all in the same <laughs> same little block of text <laughs> <laughs> I think it worked out really well, too. Yeah, definitely. So, speaking of, the words this week were credit, resource, history, and smell. So, which ones did you use? Did we use all four? Uh, no, we just used uh, credit, resource, and history. Okay. okay. Mm. So, there was no so smelly smell. things in your story. No, no right. smell. Although, we could have worked that in as well, I think. Yeah, I think there was, like, a different... Um, I think initially we were like, okay, so the first line is, like, you smell or something. <laughs> Uh, but I don't think we ended up putting that in there. I was going to do like a rewrite on the whole thing before this podcast, but we started recording right when I got home from work, so I didn't have time. Mm. Oh wait, are you telling me it's just what I <laughs> it's just what I wrote? Yes, it is. No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> Damn it, Joey! It. I thought you were gonna clean it up a little bit. I was going to. I'm so no, sorry. No, it's, it's okay. Really it's good, okay. Though. <laughs> it's all right. I use like the same descriptor and like the two following lines but that's i mean it's all right it's basically it's forgivable yeah it's forgivable it's yeah. it's a, it's it's pretty just close to what me and joey were talking about and i had fun all right nice banging it out and, and, and i mean whenever you are doing the right thing uh of course whatever you do make is gonna be unpolished like i've i feel i know uh matthias probably feels the the same that everything we've we've written for do the right thing is a unpolished turd of what it could be so it's <laughs> mm-hmm. completely fine 
<laughs> See, our show can have the crap jokes. So, yeah. uh, that's right. Yes. In fact, uh, we're only crap jokes. Uh, <laughs> speaking of, is there anything else we should know before uh, we go into your screenplay? Um, I guess yeah. Like when we sat down to do it, and Colin was like, "So I want. I've been thinking about the mafia a lot recently. I want to do something where like a guy is gonna kill another guy, and the the the, the killer." is part of the mafia mm-hmm. and i was like mm-hmm. okay that's interesting uh what's the guy does he have like a fun occupation like is he like a like a party <laughs> clown or something and then me and colin just looked at each other and we were like okay that works i <laughs> said yeah i was just like hitman in the desert and you were like what if one of them was a clown and i was like there we go that's the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> and uh all right, yeah, it's, all right. it's, i think it's a lot of fun with a couple more rewrites this could turn out really really good yeah mm-hmm. all right cool um uh, yeah, whenever you guys are ready, go ahead and start. Exterior, children's birthday party, day. Kids sit bored in a suburban backyard. One red-haired boy drools, holding an ice cream cone. Wacky the Clown, 50, stands holding a top hat, waving his hand above. He reaches inside the hat and pulls out the red-haired boy's ice cream cone. The boy looks confused, now holding a rabbit. Wacky awkwardly smiles. None of the children do. A few parents in the background clap enthusiastically. The boss, 58, smoking a cigar, wearing a wife-beater t-shirt with pasta stains on it, watches with eyes narrowed and a pained expression. He sits at the head of a fold-out table with his men surrounding him, one of whom is Pat, 23. Exterior children's birthday party, later. A young enforcer in a black suit hands Wacky a roll of 20s. Wacky smiles sheepishly. Thank you. Thank you. He pockets the money. Now get out of here. Wacky nods and steps back. He raises his hand to notify the boss of his leave. The boss groans and waves him away. Wacky turns and exits out the backyard gate. The boss watches him leave. He turns to Pat. What the hell was that? Pat looks up from his ice cream. What was what? The clown. Yeah, I know. Never know how he does the rabbit trick. The boss raises his hand in exasperation. No, you fucking goon. He was terrible. Pat raises his brow. You didn't like him? No. Not in the slightest. Really? You ask again, I'm going to shoot you in the fucking face. Pat grows quiet. The boss watches his son play. What a disappointment. I told you this was important. For God's sakes, a four-year-old's birthday party is important. We put a gun in your hand, a cigar in your mouth. He turns to Pat. Go off the guy for me, will you? Pat looks shocked. Off him, boss? Yes, Pat. Take care of him. Uh, But... He's got a lot of history with, with the family. He's got a, a load of credit to his name. A birthday clown we can trust has been a very valuable resource for the family. The boss reaches forward to a vegetable platter. Pat? The boss picks up a carrot and places it in his mouth next to the cigar. Take him someplace nice. He bites down. Crunch. Match cut to interior clown car, day. The click of a gun's hammer. A handgun pokes directly in the camera's eye. Behind it. Pat's face glistens with sweat, hot sun beaming through the dirty windows. Behind him, endless desert. Wacky stares at the gun, above, hands above his head. His voice shakes, on the verge of tears. Please. Shut up. Get out of the car. I know you don't want to do this. You're a good guy. I said shut up. Pat presses the gun against his face. Wacky winces. Uh, <laughs> what about a trick? I think there might be some money behind that ear. Wacky reaches forward slowly with his hand. Pat hits him in the nose with the butt of his handgun. Wacky yells in pain, blood coming from his nose. 
I'm not gonna tell you again. Step out of the car, or I'll paint your steering wheel. Patrick, please. Pat freezes. The gun moves backwards. What did you just say? Wacky awkwardly smiles. I'd never forget a boy's face. Pat moves forward against the window, gun still trained on it. No. No. I was hoping you wouldn't remember me. <laughs> of course I remember you, Patrick. You were one of the best boys I ever performed for. Please don't say my name. Patrick, Don't I... say my fucking name! The gun trembles in his hand. I can't believe it. Out of all the lousy clowns I'd have to off. Why'd it have to be you? I'm not that bad, am I? Pat laughs. <laughs> not to a four-year-old boy you weren't. That was set to be one of my worst birthdays, with mom and dad fighting all the time. Pat straightens up, gun being placed in Wacky's face. But this is my family now. Wacky's smile disappears. I gotta do this for the boss. Get out of the fucking car. Wacky solemnly steps out of the car. Exterior desert, day. The sun beams down relentlessly. Pat steps out of the car, gun trained on Wacky. Step away from the car. Wacky walks backwards, hands in the air. Please, Patrick, you'll regret this. If you have any last words, don't let him be pleading for your life. Wacky smiles, tears in his eyes. Do you want to see a trick? Pat sadly shakes his head. His finger squeezes on the trigger. No. Bang! A flag hangs out of Pat's gun with the above phrase on it. Pat looks down at his gun confused. A gunshot echoes through the desert. Pat's face contorts with pain. He holds his side, blood on his hands. Pat falls to his knees, looking up. Wacky stands over him, holding Pat's real gun, heat curling from the barrel. Wacky gazes sadly down at Pat. The Caprice family sends its regards. Pat falls to the ground, face pressed into the sand. He watches Wacky walk to the clown car, shoes squeaking with every step. Pat looks up at the sky. He reaches his hand to his ear, feeling behind it, and pulls out a quarter. He smiles, his eyes closing. Fade to black. That was, that was <laughs> wonderful. I that know. was fantastic, yeah. I love that. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, think, this is this is a wonderful script. Yeah, I think right now one of my favorite, I guess, tropes or settings is a mafia clown. Like <laughs> I, I don't know, I love the just the world that you kind of really set up here. How there's this clown who's in, who's closely connected to the mafia, but has to get bumped off. And I don't know, I, I think it's a really great script, and I can definitely see it translating very well to the screen so really great job it's the uh it's the ending that that gets it for me um Mm -hmm. because that's where it all comes together where it it i mean you've built up this extremely serious oh not extremely serious (laughs) but you know like like a serious serious moment here where you know he's pleading for his life he doesn't want to do the the murder and um you know we have some intense emotions there and then you reverse it in this like still tense moment a character's getting off but it's also like ridiculous yeah. <laughs> um yeah it's yeah it's really well done joey uh, joey came up with the idea to have the gun be um to be the prop gun or whatever at the end that at some point mm-hmm. the, that wacky had switched the guns on him and so we had to figure out when we wanted to like set that up so we thought that'd be good with the introduction of introducing wacky with his little magic trick where he can you know switch two things out and um, mm-hmm. I think my absolute favorite part of writing this was to write bang and then immediately mm-hmm. under it have that instead be revealed as t- like that's just the words that are on the, the page and not like an actual sound effect. 
And that's something um, yeah. that, like, only the person reading the script is going to, like, unless it's done as an audio drama like we just did. Yeah. But it's something that only someone reading the script is going to go, oh, he just shot the, oh, wait, no, he didn't just shoot the clown. Yeah. Like, because on the screen, it's not going to portray that way. Right. It'll just yeah, be a, I, a flag mm-hmm, coming mm-hmm. out or a sound. I found that very interesting. Just the, well, so as I understand that the process of writing script is usually like a writer writes a script and then that goes to a director who then like not rewrites, but does a lot of edits to the script to, yeah. to adapt it to their own style. Right. Translates it. Yeah. They yeah. So it, yeah. is that initial writer isn't necessarily writing to the audience that's going to see it. They're mostly writing to the director to like tell them, Hey, this is how you should portray the story. And this is a story you should pick up because it feels like this, because it's written like this. Um, I find that really interesting because it's, it's yeah, it's this dual purpose where all of the imagery and dialogue is being written toward an audience, but all of the like mood and tone and prose is actually being directed toward the person putting on the film. Yeah, I there's a um, there's a big like thing with with um, with writing scripts, and I mean a format is like something that it took me a while to get the hang of and to not feel as daunting. And there's like a lot of different like takes that people have on it, and a bunch of different rules, but a lot of people don't like. Um, when you include specific things in scripts, because like you said, it's going to be taken into somebody else's hand. So even us, like, you know, writing in like a match cut or saying like, um, or having like, you know, other kinds of specific instances in there, even like, you know, the bang of um, uh, being on the flag of the gun, like a lot of those things aren't traditionally done in a script unless that person who's writing it is going to get to direct it. And so just to like talking with Joey and also knowing that, you know, this was something that other people besides us were going to read. I thought it would be fun to include that because it's, oh, yeah. it's a fun little reveal while you're reading it. And then, of course, you know, if this is something that Joey and I were to make into the future, we have, you know, basic total creative control over it. And we can include whatever we want in the script because it's essentially going to be like the shooting script for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and no one else is going to have their hands on it. Traditionally mm-hmm. in the writer's workshop, which is uh, Colin is in. Are you the head of the writer's workshop this I upcoming am. semester? I am. I'll be Colin the head, is of, the head of the writer's workshop. Um, traditionally, we work with spec scripts, which is just like any, <clears throat> you leave out any semblance of like visual style. Mm-hmm. It's all just like no camera. You don't talk about music. You don't talk about, I remember we had a script one time that was just like a music cue plays in this and a music cue. And it's like, you don't mention that. You're not supposed to, like, especially in the writer's workshop, because it will if your script is picked for like an official or something, it will be handed to somebody else to direct. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like we, the, the spec script is a, is interesting, but I think for this, like it worked really well to write in some of those match cuts and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of interesting information. I'm glad you guys are, are talking about this here. I, I think most of our audience probably has not heard as much information yeah. on, on writing <laughs> scripts. So that's, that's good to hear. We're probably also going to be talking about this with with the other script because I think it's just something that is inherent to basically all scripts, but just how evocative the uh, the the dialogue is. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it's even more brought to life because you, you guys put out voices <laughs> and accents, so good job on that. Um, but yeah, that's it. It always comes alive a lot more than than in normal prose. I think. I've watched a lot of um, the gangster movies recently. I just watched like Donnie Brasco maybe like a few days ago, um, which is a lot of fun. And uh, I'm obsessed with with organized crime or just crime in general. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, I also watched that um, 
that new Netflix documentary about the mob, Fear City or something, um, I think it's called. But it's just basically about New York when the mob controlled, like, everything from, like, the construction industry to, like, <laughs> restaurants. So, and you hear, you get to hear, like, um, uh, audio recordings in that of actual, uh, of people of the time uh, talking like that. And they sound, like, exactly like the caricatures <laughs> in, like, a Goodfellas or a Casino. Like, a Casino is another one, too, that I watched recently. But it's, like, they're, the way they talk and, and describe things is, like, it's not an exaggeration in the movie where they're, you know, talking about filling a dude's shoes with cement and like chucking them over a bridge. It's very funny, <laughs> and it's I, fun. Uh, I grew up. It's it's fun to play around with that, um, with the words too. Like saying someone's gonna paint, paint your steering wheel or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, I like that yeah. a lot. Yeah, the mm-hmm. I grew up with like mob movies. You know, my dad's some of my dad's favorite movies are like The Godfather, and and we're from New Jersey. So, like, obviously, we're going to hear a lot about it. But it's very possible that my grandfather was in the uh, the mob or at least, like, was adjacent to them. Oh. So you have mob ties. From Italy. Yeah, he was from Italy, and he was president of the Meat Cutters Union in New Jersey. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Huh. Absolutely. Yeah. Seems fairly likely yeah. that there was some yeah. interaction. So wow. it's interesting stuff. Hopefully I can go on Ancestry.com and they go, oh, he was he – was, in the mob i'm like oh okay cool i'm glad that ancestry.com knows that <laughs> yeah, but no one else did <laughs> but yeah mm-hmm. no a, a a lot of the uh influences are very present within your story like just by reading it i can tell that you've seen good good fellas i can tell that you've seen god godfather uh because you are very easily taking like you're very easily going right off of the very typical mob tropes but at the same time, it does feel that there is a different personality to it, to where there is this sort of absurdity that is present throughout the entire script. So, so yeah, I think I really liked that you were able to take those elements while also make them your own in, in some sort of way. And, of course, the ending is by far one of the best twists that I've read in, in a while. So, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I love... Whenever, like, I write, I don't know how Joey feels about this, but I very much like uh, wearing, like, my influences on my sleeve. I'd, no, I'd never want to try mm-hmm. and, and uh, yeah. disguise from the fact that I've been influenced so heavily by things. I'm not, I don't want to say I'm I'm to the level of uh, of someone like a Tarantino who um, mm-hmm. who just very, <laughs> who very much likes to just kind of uh, remake things or just, just uh, throw stuff in. But yeah, absolutely, I... I, I I very much like to to draw from things that I um, that inspire me and that I enjoy and I and I definitely like I definitely like showing that and, and not uh, pretending like it would be any other way. Oh yeah, I totally agree. nice. And nice. the 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 story was was cracked by by me and Colin, but the the words on the script are all Colin. Colin wrote the script, and I just kind of helped crack the story. All right, nice. So, is, yeah. is that an official term, by the way? Crack, cracking a story? I haven't heard that before. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I guess that's a phrase. I've definitely heard other people who actually work in the industry use that term. Oh, yeah. Crack, so I, crack, crack the story. Okay. I've heard crack that. Crack the story, yeah. You can't make an omelet without cracking a few stories. Exactly. <laughs> that's, yep. That's, that's, um... That's the saying. That's in the Bible. I don't remember what book, but, uh, yep, it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the story was definitely the easiest part of this like we got that oh, yeah. figured out in like 30 minutes and it was it just kept like it, it was basically just like a very quick back and forth which was 
did we already say uh i i said i wanted uh someone getting whacked in the desert and you said he should be a clown <laughs> yeah, yeah they should like... be a clown and then <laughs> and then after that so we had our beginning and end oh well this is i guess this is the interesting part but our biggest like i guess the only like stumbling block or the thing that we had to like um, put some thought to was what was going to be in the middle because we knew the beginning and mm-hmm. we knew the end like immediately we were like okay beginning is the clown like it's so like the the joke for us was just <laughs> the mob boss being like that performance was so bad this guy needs to die and then the ending <laughs> and then the ending was of course the clown turns out to be from a rival family that's been undercover for years or whatever monitoring this this crime mm-hmm. family and so then we were trying to figure out which was was fill the middle and so then we were like okay so what's this character's like hesitation why does he not want to kill the clown and originally we said we had said that oh the idea was always that the clown had performed at the kid's birthday party but then oh because mm-hmm. oh because the, fir- the first in the first draft of it and the first thing we were coming up with pat was older and he had like a child who had died or something and that clown had performed at his kid's birthday party before the kid died but then we were like no it'd be funnier if the clown performed at his birthday party and then i just kind of sprinkled in that little bit about the parents or whatever but that was like the thing is trying to figure out past hesitation yeah i feel like like reading it reading the script it was like okay so this is like pretty much word for word uh or, or beat for beat just like our our thing it's just like in colin's words that's what the the story was but it was pretty much the exact same thing we came up with which was just you know the beat for beat the story but initially it was the whole thing was in the desert like i think colin you said you wanted to start with like him already at like them already in the desert and that's the whole thing is that yeah. just talking in the desert mm-hmm. um and i think a, 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 which turned out to be half the script but uh we said the birthday party should be like a prologue and should yeah. explain like what's going on Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it turned out really well. Just the whole how everything kind of wrapped up and all the setups and payoffs and everything. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm, Even there's like that that mini setup and payoff with the quarter bit, which I yeah, mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Of. I'm a, I love I, I love yeah, the ending I, right there. I, I live by holding a quarter. I live by Chekhov's gun. I mean, I like. I also like not doing that because that's that's also very silly. But um, I guess. Yeah, that's like I I live and die by setting things up in the beginning and having it pay off because there's no bigger reward to the audience than rewarding them for like paying attention um, to a detail. And that's what makes like a plot twist, in my opinion, so good is that you you have like enough there to where when the audience you don't want to like the biggest issue plot twists run into is that the audience is confused or or they're they're almost like angry by it because they're like, well, the the movie didn't give us any indication that that would even happen. Mm-hmm. So then it's not really a plot twist. Mm-hmm. It's just you trying to, it's you trying to screw with them. But, um, but yeah, that's the having the the twist of the the gun at the end or whatever is imperative to it. It all hinges on that setup at the beginning. That even because it works, you know, it works to set up Wacky being a pathetic clown character. It works into the setting of opening on the birthday party. And then it also works to set up the little uh, switcheroo at the end. So, if you, if you can find a way to like um, to get multiple things to kind of serve one purpose, uh, it just it just uh, it just feeds into your script overall. I think a little bit better. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Humble opinion. <laughs> uh, so so that's all the uh, the the surface level discussion. What is what is the deep uh, underlying <laughs> meaning? <laughs> Of your What's piece the message this week? Here? 
Mm-hmm. I think it's if you try to kill your past, your past will kill you. Oh shit! Damn. Okay, I was All seeing right. it roots and deep. I was seeing it more as like uh, as like the Irishman almost like situation like uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know if you put all your eggs in one basket, that basket might shoot you in the face or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really. <laughs> I never. I I always try and say that I like have some meaning when I begin writing, but I almost always find meaning like after I've written it or in the rewrite. Oh yeah. Yeah. You find it through writing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You you aim for something and inevitably just because you're, you're thinking of other things or just the story fits into a different puzzle piece. You end up, you know, having a slightly different thing than your initial, um, yeah. Initial theme. So the the real last questions, um, I do want to ask is, um, one, what do you think you would improve on a second draft? And then two, uh, what do you think you guys learned from writing this? Uh, I think, I, I know Colin wants the, uh, like, just the descriptions to be touched up a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like, I, I really do like it, how it is, but there's definitely, like, it can just be polished. Um, maybe expend, extend it maybe by, like, a page, add a little bit more dialogue between Wacky and Pat. Yeah. Um... And set up for the sequel, obviously. Wacky, uh-huh. Wacky 2, where he goes and John Wick style kills the mafia. <laughs> okay. This is brilliant. Or or Pat comes back from the dead as a clown. Mm. Ooh. Zombie Pat. Ooh. Little yeah, zombie yeah. clown situation. Wacky 2 here mm-hmm. and Pat again. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I um I think, yeah, like Joey said, like I use like important in like that part where the boss is talking about the birthday party. I use the word important twice, which I should not have done. I should have figured out a better word to throw in there. Um, You're okay, Colin. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's pretty okay, especially because like it just sounds like he's emphasizing it That's too. True. So That's true. I didn't even notice it. Um, I get, and then another thing to yeah, jo- like like again, like Joey said, I would I think I'd try and put another page in there to um, extend that um, confrontation between Pat and Wacky. But I also I th- I, I think I, s- I guess this ties into what I was saying about um, about the setup or payoff um, is that uh, there the whole like I I think the original reason why I wanted it to begin in the desert is to make that the ending payoff of, of the switch even better. And I'll explain what I mean by that, but it ended up working in this well too, for a different reason, which is that when you open a scene with like one character holding a gun in his hand and the other, and like, and pointed at another character's head in your, in the audience's brain, like if you open with that image, they're immediately like, okay, at some point this gun has to go off. At some point, someone is going to get shot. And so it like, and that, and that's all part of, um, of building, I can't remember the the. I can never remember the the difference between tension and suspense. But one of them is uh, the lack of knowledge, and the other one is um, with knowledge. And I wish I could remember which one that was. But we know that at some point the gun has to go off, and so that's the best part of the the switch to me is that the gun finally does go off, and it's something. But not in the way you expected. Exactly, yeah. yeah, not in the way we expected. Yeah. We've been telling the audience the whole time that this gun is going to go off, and so you're expecting it. And then when it does, it's something else. And I wanted to open with that to even like more emphasize that. But I also love uh, the match cut to the desert with the gun in his face. So it, well, it still works. I don't want to write 
on camera or on podcast. And if you want to cut this out, you totally can. But <laughs> what if you opened with him playing with the gun at the birthday party? And then oh. you have that like, oh my god, he's got a gun at a birthday party. And it goes off and it's the bang gun. And then you so you have that mini like heart attack. Like you think he's going to kill a kid or something. And then you're like, oh, oh my god, it's just a bang gun. Thank god. And then that comes back later because you think like you think it's one of those fake twists where it's like oh god it's a gun and then it's act- it's actually a joke, and then it comes back later like oh god no that was like an important thing like he had that fake gun. Sure, I guess, I guess I I liked not even putting the the fake gun the gun that has the bang in it because I feel like if you do that it's a bit too obvious the audience yeah. expects I, you to I, use it. I think if it was like a like a thirty minute thing then it would be pretty good mm-hmm. because then you have time to kind of forget about it. Right, right. But yeah, yeah within a six minute thing, it's like you just saw it. Yeah. Um, so what do you guys think you learned writing this? Uh, I learned that me and Colin as a duo, we've never actually sat and written something before. We could totally write a ton of stuff. And I didn't realize <laughs> that him and I had like such a good writing chemistry together because we come up with ideas all the time. But like we never actually sit down to write. So I guess that's what I learned. Yeah, I... Um... I, I feel very similar, Joey. I feel the same. Uh, I guess, like, I guess writing-wise or script-wise, I guess I just, I guess it was really just, like, trying to make a conscious effort to make sure, uh, like, e- even though everyone's, like, kind of a stereotype, to also, uh, to also kind of give him like a little bit of uh, a little bit of depth. I'd probably say that like the person with the least amount of death would be wacky just cause he just doesn't want to die, which is, you know, that's good motivation mm-hmm. all, but you know, Pat's got the whole, you know, thing of, have, of having to kill, <laughs> kill someone who's performed at your birthday party. The boss just wants his kid to have a decent birthday party and he feels wronged. So it, even, even though the situation's ridiculous, I guess grounding it in a little bit of reality and then also grounding it, of course, in the, the tropes that we know and love of, of the gangster genre and everything, I think just making sure that your stuff is, your, your characters are believable enough that, you know, when it hard cuts to someone in the desert in a clown car, your audience isn't being like, well, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, all right, I guess it's time to move on to our story, Matias. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. Uh I I don't know how to transition to this, but <laughs> so we we also collaborated on this, but uh Jarvis basically uh cracked the story and then wrote the script and I just helped polish up a little bit. Well no um, no so... no. It was so so basically how it kinda worked out, right, is that I had a idea but I didn't know how to put it into words. So I just ended up writing a uh, rough draft and sending that to, to, to you. Uh-huh. And then we, we basically talked about it briefly. I was, I was reassured that what I was writing wasn't utter garbage. Um, so then <laughs> from there, basically, it, it kind of did work out to where I was writing, but I had Matthias in my ear the whole time basically guiding okay. where, where the pen went. Okay. Do you mean that? I I can't. I'm not entirely sure whether you mean that literally or metaphorically. Was it like like if you were just like simulating me in your ear, like giving yeah. you a writing advice? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I basically <laughs> okay. went into my mental palace, and uh-huh. I created a mental version of uh, a of homunculus, you. and it it yeah. really helped me kind of crack the uh, story on on this <laughs> script. 
Okay, cool, cool. Well, um, I'm interested in all the minute influences that this um, this mental Matthias uh, had on you. But um, which words did you end up using? I, I wasn't paying. I think I deleted one <laughs> in the edits. <laughs> I didn't even realize until after. Maybe. Um, so yeah, uh, we basically ended up using um, credit, history, and smell. I think I deleted credit. I think that was the one that I accidentally deleted. Okay, well, credit was Whoopsies. in there. <laughs> it was in there. Yeah, just uh, throughout edits that were definitely much, much needed for the story. Uh, that just got de- deleted. But the trade-off is that the story makes a lot more sense. So, I think that's a win in the end. Yeah, I think that's um, an epic win. Uh, so you, you write scripts a lot more than I do. Um, we we use the uh, script formatting site uh, Celtex. So yes, if you quickly, haven't written a script uh, before, it's a pretty good place to do it. Yeah, I mean it is a solid web website. Um, personally, I think the hardest part about using Celtex is when you're using it with someone else, because uh, I can count yeah. like at least twenty times when uh, both me and Matthias were working on it, and everything that I wrote was deleted. Uh, oh, so no. I, yeah, so I pretty much kept writing the same four four lines like five different times. Oh my god! Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I heard that was really annoying. I didn't really experience that, so I think the program just thought that my words were better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, let's get into it. Um, what's the name of this? I don't. <laughs> oh, what's uh, it named? Roomy. Okay, 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 okay. Interior, apartment. Midday. The apartment was typically kept cold and clean on most days. Only had enough room to walk in, everything else was either furniture or decoration. The overall vibe was cozy. Big double doors open to the street. A canvas white and expensive Alexa on the counter. Technicolor lights lining the ceiling. A TV stand in the living room that towered over a short table, which comfortably sat crooked to the wall. In fact, the only thing odd about the place was the ill-covered claw marks in the corners of the room, cat-like but bigger than you'd expect. There was idle conversation in the air, primarily between Alex and Hannah, who sat adjacent to each other. They were both in twice-worn pajamas, no makeup, but great hair. Their picturesque friends had a yin-yang dynamic apparent in Hannah's perpetually bubbly mood. Next to them was Dan, a blank slate of a human, seldom spoke and burned up data on his phone. Off in the kitchen, rate causing a ruckus, the last roommate, Marcus, rifled through the cabinets and drawers as if his keys, wallet, and phone were all hidden in the same place. He's dressed nice, street casual, but it was all ill-fitted, wrinkled in the wrong places, and had a visible old smell. So subtle and barely audible, there's a ring about the room. So tiny and hard to hear, you'd think a one-legged grasshopper was making the noise. Alex couldn't hear it, nor could Hannah or Dan. But the ringing was all Marcus could hear. You think our place is haunted? Uh, yeah. Scratched up walls and we don't have a cat. TV winds up in the kitchen and we don't have gremlins. Marcus follows the rise and fall of the ringing around the kitchen. It takes him to the sink, then his morning coffee, counter, fridge. He just checked the cabinets and moved on to the empty bottles atop the fridge, not being too careful with them and clustering most of them in the sinks. Right. And it stopped when they installed security. They knew we were onto them. 
There was nothing atop the fridge but thick dirt, so Marcus leaves the bottles where they lay to tear apart the laundry room. Ah, so they went into hiding. Or we got robbed. Just for the summer, let's relax. Forget about them. Come fall, winter, October, we'll have to remodel because of the hell they'll raise. The hell they'll raise. In the solitude of the hall laundry room, Marcus Mm. covers his ears, then turns back towards the sink. Y'all hear that, right? Dan is quick to answer. Hear what, Marcus? Marcus crosses to the kitchen sink again and starts pulling out the alcohol bottles he put there. With no care for the noise, he tosses them around the counters, washing the kitchen in whiskey and cheap wine. That ringing hum... I don't know. Maybe a cicada got in, or... You good, man? Marcus notices his dirty hands stained red from wine among the mess he's made. Yeah, I'm fine. He runs to the patio, tapping out a smoke along the way. Interior. Apartment. Midnight. Well past their bedtimes, the four roommates have sunken deep into the couch. Their eyes, as heavy as they are, are glued to a nondescript animation that pops, slashes, and explodes across the, across the screen. Marcus slurps down some noodles obnoxiously, giving no time for it to cool down. Halfway through it, he plops it down on the table for later. Together, they're silently occupied, till Hannah dozes off, snores herself awake, and collects her things from around the apartment. Good night, y'all. Exit. Interior apartment. Midnight in a few minutes. The bedtime bug bit Dan next, where the other two laughed along with the show. Dan fell deadly silent. Eventually, Alex's howling cackle woke him to his feet and into his room. He exits. Interior apartment. Midnight in a few more minutes. Out of the blue, Alex gets up to cook a late-night munch. She wound up with a decent PB&J, half-toasted, with strawberries. To her, however, it was a masterpiece, and she held her little plate like a baby before walking off. Night, Mark. She exits. Interior apartment, midnight and an hour. For a while now, Marcus's snores filled their small living room area, and the TV ran out of content and switched to a mountainside screensaver. There was silence among the apartment. Then the ringing began. His hands sleepwalked to his ears, rubbed them closed until his eyes opened. The dark he was in raised his alertness. The mysterious shriek was loud now, enough to rattle still water in their brittle filter, enough to take him from his seat to grab the ramen, then to lock both doors and disappear into his room, hurried. Inside the room, there was a shuffle, a creak, and a beep from a PS4. Then the lights went off, and no more than an hour later, his snores overpowered his console's fan. Seconds after Marcus shuts in for the night, Alex's door, then Dan's door, and Hannah's door, glided open. Alex was the first out, held a hand on the wall, and crept down the hall. Her eyes stayed on the ground, guiding her feet in the sporadic pattern that kept her quiet. Interior, apartment, kitchen, midnight in an hour. Alex turned on the oven light, and from around the corner, Dan and Hannah crept in. Hannah followed a path right up to Alex, Dan, on the other hand, stepped right past them to the fridge and cabinets. Get over here. I'm hungry, and I live here. Mission or not, I'm gonna eat. Their demeanor has changed sharply. More professional, logical, maybe even scientific. Alex stood up, tall and straight-backed, like a teacher eager to administer a midterm. Huddled next to her, the teacher's pet, Hannah, puffed her chest out toward Alex in attention. 
How'd the sleeping pill go over, Hannah? Well enough. Put it in his ramen, he ate it pretty quick. Dan continued to go through the cabinets. He grabs bread, mayo, and cheese. Fed up Alex gets started. Well, good. I want to say, Hannah, seasonal ghost conversation was a great cover-up. It'll feed into his superstition, explain the weird month, and maybe even drive a result. You don't think that's too much information? If he knows too, too much, then he'll be like us, yeah? Immune. Study over if you do that. Past reports of the incident all included the subjects theorizing while the patterns escalated. My theory is that the theorizing and panicking on the part of the subject is part of the pattern. The information is off anyway. It's not a ghost. All signs point to it being an emotional dimensional impression, which you'd know if you'd actually read the briefing. I skimmed it. We can all stand to, to do a little better. Dan, read the goddamn report. Hannah, you were monitoring him a little hard today. He's not going to find it in the bathroom. You don't have to check on it. Hannah clicks her heels and gives a silent salute. Sir. Alex bout face to Dan, who was working on a pickle jar. Dan, I'm going to be brutally honest. I'm going to need 40% more from you. I'm doing all I can. But you were put on this mission to be his best friend and confidant. Someone he can tell about what he sees and what he hears. We need that data. You didn't talk to him once today. Dan finessed the bread, the cheese, and mayo into a triple-decker sandwich separated by pickles and pastrami, seasoned slightly and buttered. A few more seconds and he would be so close to topping it off with a dill relish. Dude's weird. Doesn't matter, don't care. Hang out with him or you're going to flunk out of college and have to move back home, Agent Dan. Unenthusiastic, Dan dropped the relish to click his boots and salute. Alex smiled and stepped back to the oven, opened to the others, and kicked a foot up. So we know he's been hearing for a while. About a month. About a month. And has the source honed, honed down to the kitchen laundry area, but keeps hovering over the patio. He smokes, sir. Yes, but he switched to, to vape a month ago. Historically speaking, he does that in his room. Could it be triangulation, you think? Maybe it is in the living room. Campy, check the whole front first thing. No readings. Still think it's somewhere in the boiler. Dan produced two cups of coffee, piping hot, and handed them to Hannah and Alex. I told you already. One, we didn't know what we were looking for when we checked... Two, it can hide in any mundane household item, including new ones. And three, only someone who doesn't know that can find it for us. We know about it. We can't find it. Yeah, but I don't think big ears will just figure it out. And that's what we're here to find out. I'm gonna need 50% from you, Dan. She sips the coffee. Thanks. Hannah slightly raises her hand. Question, sir. Non-formal. Just speak. According to the pattern, reporting on previous incidents, we're set for a Category C loud event in the next couple days. So, I was thinking, next time he asks, do y'all hear something? What if we played along and listened in? Maybe we just need to humor him, and he'll find something. I still wish we had two subjects. Stupid funding cuts. Ah, the quiet game. 
No, more like an inside day. You go to work tomorrow, and I'm scheduled to sleep in, so maybe you could keep it quiet tomorrow, sir, and let him look around? Can't. I have to beat his ass in Pokemon Stadium and convince him to, to order pizza. What about Monday? The Alexa on the counter cut the question short with an alarm set to Max. Alexa! She snapped. Volume 1 and stop. It's early. The alarm disappeared, but didn't pick up back where they left off. Still as stone, there wasn't a grin or smile in the house. They looked to Alex, then to the patio door, tickled by the wind. In a half-sprint, they dismissed from the kitchen to their assigned rooms, each triple-locking their doors and bracing against it. It started with a rattle on the stove. Whatever it was went unseen. The sound of flies zapping crawled along the floor. Then wind punched the glass and sent the bitter smell of oil into the apartment. Metal items clung to the walls and dragged deep into the paint. When a groove was caught, they bent flat to the wall, then bent out to the room in a spike. Then ramparts of white noise roared into stampedes up and down the halls and walls. They knocked into tables, threw around the TV, blasted wind through the roommate's doors. The sounds of chaos would grow into a 12-piece orchestra of unintelligible bleats, hoarse neighs, lions pouncing, ravens cackling to a baby's cry, and building to a fever pitch. Then it stopped, the air still. They waited a while before Alex opened her door, looked both ways, and stepped back in to grab a new TV. We're good. Dan's door opened to him in a SWAT vest, holding a can of eggshell paint and a big brush. Then Hannah's door opened to her carrying a new toaster and a 36-count silverware set. This silent death really knows how to fuck a place up. Interior. Apartment. 3 a.m. Dan places the last lamp on the side table. Behind, in the kitchen, Alex and Hannah look over photos of how their apartment used to look, their clothes splattered with paint. From the picture... To now, they're completely identical, except for the table. Drugs or not, still can't believe he can sleep through all that. Ugh, the tables are different. Only by a little. The table they had was completely different. Not only was it four inches taller, but the matte black metal legs are now wooden ones spray-painted to look the same. He's perceptive. He'll talk about this all day. Thank God I'm working. Sir, I assure you, it's fine. I'll file the report and request an exact replica tomorrow. Alex taps the photo in her hand. Pat, pat, pat. That should be fine. I'll just keep it dim tomorrow. Today, actually. Good night. Before anyone could speak, Dan was off for the night. Interior. Marcus's room. 3 a.m. A tornado tore through his room, but he felt at home here. Clothes riddle the floor, and old noodle cups populate his desk, including the half-eaten one from today. By three, he'd usually be in bed or looking through the mini-fridge, but not tonight. Tonight, he heard the silent death. Across from his room door, he made a shelter in the corner of the room. Seven blankets and an assortment of pillows surround him in a bubble of comfort, a safe space. His ears were bleeding his body trembling and gasping for dry air, his breath steadied in a silent sob, tears the slightest shade of pink. 
That was good. I, I tried to count the words. I, I think I I think I got three. Did you put three of the words? There in was there? supposed okay. to be anyway. I think I deleted credit. I don't know okay. if it's still there, but maybe maybe all the words ended up in there anyway. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so tell us a little bit how you guys came up with the uh, with the story for that. Yeah, we'll have to ask Jarvis. He was the the main one writing this yeah, week. Well, um, like? I don't know. the The process really came from um, a personal crisis because uh, right now uh, we are expecting a fourth room uh, roommate in like two <laughs> to maybe five days, um, and we have no clue who this guy is. So I guess I just okay. kind of fed off of that, f- not fear, but that nervousness. Uh, uh, in a sense, and just, I don't know, I just kind of threw it out on the, the page. Um, when it comes to the trajectory of the story, um, especially heading towards the end, that was heavily inspired by a lot of uh, Matthias's su- uh, suggestions uh, to, not ma- to, to not make them as military as I did at first and to make them a lot more amateur uh, and bordering on the line of them being sci- of them being scientists and researchers. Um, yeah, the original draft. I, I think you still had the like um, really chilled atmosphere in their dialogues, and I really wanted to keep that because, um, like, like I said before, uh, dialogue and, and scripts is always the the best part. I think, and so I was like, okay, how do we work around that? And make sure that that's uh, a core feature that stays. And so I was like, they got to be like basically grad students to to talk this way mm-hmm. um even if they're professionals or whatnot um yeah but writing this was was um really an interesting twist on on the do the right thing formula it's definitely different from how we usually do it yeah because i mean we don't normally uh, co uh we don't really we don't normally collab whatsoever when it comes to writing each each week, uh, I think our collaboration really comes from uh, making the actual podcast. Um, but no, uh-huh. it was it was really uh, interesting working with Matthias in a different fashion. Um, very refreshing beyond anything else because I know when I'm writing, I tend to kind of get stuck in either a voice or a character or a persona. Uh, so definitely having Matthias there. Uh, help me focus a lot more on the purpose, on the trajectory of the story. So yeah, it was it was really fun all around. Yeah, I definitely think last time I was on your podcast, that was the first time I'd written a short story mm-hmm. in God knows how long. Like I mean, I'm used to writing scripts <laughs> and writing in that format. Oh, and even nice. then, I turned my uh-huh. short story into a script anyway. So I did. I did afterwards. Yeah. I. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, it's 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 uh, really strange to kind of get out of that because y- yeah, every week like you're writing these, you're doing these writing prompts and mm-hmm. you're writing mm-hmm. these stories, but there are still like muscles. Yeah, we need to do some weeks where we just do like poetry that, and stuff. I think, I think that's something we've been half meaning to do for a while. Yeah. Um, but then it's the main problem there is like, how do you? normally a stories take like uh 10 minutes or so to read right so <laughs> writing a 10 minute poem is like a little more daunting than just writing a poem <laughs> that's much. a haiku for yeah, sure yeah. a Hopefully. short epic um yeah so jarvis <laughs> i wanted to ask um did writing a script for do the right thing differ from how you usually do um from how you usually write scripts I mean, I was just editing, so, like, the actual process part, you're the one to ask. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, I, I guess so. And yeah, I, I feel that writing this one was a lot different, uh, mostly because when I sat down to, to write this, I had a lot of different goals, right? I wanted it to not only be uh, sort of grounded while also um, trying to hit the typical do the right thing time frame, but I also wanted to kind of create something that felt like a middle ground between you and, and me, kind of. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I know when it comes to writing any other script, I'm kind of the complete opposite. I just, I just sit down and I barrel through the, the story as much as possible, just trying to get from the beginning, middle to the end. And then in a, se- then in a second go, I'll go back and I'll add a lot more stuff. Uh, but, but, but for this one, it was more so of me taking my time as, as I was working through it. To, cry, to kind of put all of the pieces there so that when you did come in, uh, there was a lot more for you to really work with. Yeah, and the, there was. I ended up adding a lot more, um, mostly information mm-hmm. uh, and stuff to, to clarify things. Um, like, what is, what, is the deep, what is the deep mystery here, Jarvis? The, the deep mystery? Like, what is it? Mm-hmm. What is the silent death? Yo, I, I don't even know, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I had a couple of different... I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I had a couple of different ideas. Um, I was thinking, oh, what if it's like some sort of alien artifact? And it's like a rock, but it's a, it's a psychic supernatural rock. But that's dumb. And then at, at first I was like, <laughs> well, maybe it's a ghost. Um, but then I kind of realized, <laughs> well... Ghosts don't seem to work like that, and I don't want to write about ghosts. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I I see it as this sort of supernatural object that's just stashed somewhere in this apartment. Um, I found it very um that the the original idea very um cabin in the woods. Yeah, because of the the research stuff. You guys have seen it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with the uh, the people observing them and everything, and the very like the way. Yeah. They're... Mm-hmm monitoring them and everything well it's just like in the and in the way that like it kind of plays on genre like how cabin in the woods like cabin in the woods you think it's gonna mm-hmm. be just this normal like i don't know why cliche, people don't like that movie uh monster I don't, movie oh yeah it's great yeah. i don't know i, don't, I think it, i don't understand well it's i love it's, cabin in the woods i think it's great okay. everyone i talked to is very mixed it's like the 50 50 on whether they love it or hate it well then also i i think that's really chalking up to what they expect out of the film because i know the first Mm. time that i watched it i mean i personally loved it but i loved it because it didn't go where i thought it would it was trying something completely different but i know that there are a lot of people out there that love horror and they love it one specific way so i can kind of get why uh, when people talk about that movie, it's kind of a mixed bag. How did how do you come up with the voices for the characters? And, and this is kind of a question for all of y'all. More for the like, motivation. Yeah, the the voices basically. Like, how do you come up with like how like who the characters are basically? Because I feel like how they sound and how they're written is kind of like the most important part to their character, as like that's the part on the page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, when it comes to coming up with my characters. Uh, whatever group or dynamic that I'm trying to come up with, I like to make it kind of balanced, you know? Um, if there's one person that's on this side, I would like there to, to be someone else who might not be on the opposite side, 
but but somewhere within the the middle, uh, just to have a very a, a just to have a varying mix of possible dialogue options of what they could talk about. Um, and also, uh, I think the biggest thing when it comes to writing this this script voice wise, um, the content of the plot that we were trying to put down really influenced exactly how these characters would talk because when i first sat down to to write it i kind of wanted to make it very serious um but the, but then through writing it and through kind of seeing how absurd this idea really is it then kind of started to delve into a comedy which also in which pretty much influenced how they spoke i feel like it might be more of a, a colin thing to answer because he, he was the one who wrote the script uh, but for me, at least, it kind of, especially in something like this, it's kind of you're playing on like yet again you're playing on genre, and it's like okay, so mob bosses just sound like this, or like you know the the plucky young soldier who like needs to make his way in the in the family, he sounds like this, and so I think especially Colin being our <laughs> our, our, our our resident mob aficionado, um he uh it, th- those voices are kind of predetermined and you're just playing yeah definitely the, I how mean, they it's, reacted this scenario. it's comical for a a mob boss to want you know a clown to be killed because he did poorly at his at his son's birthday party but in some level of like extremeness there there's some way you know some and it's you know it's not even put on the page and you know you'd have to do like you'd have to jump to a lot of conclusions to get to this but at some like core of the character this is a guy who loves his family so much that he can only express their disappointment that they've had a poor day through like horrible violence and so there's mm-hmm. I, there's uh, there's something there's something ridiculous there but like it's it's rooted in like this weird like just like hyper just like the hyper masculinity of the mob world and like even though it's like it makes you laugh at the same time you're like wow this guy was willing to you know commit murder just because his son had a bad time which you know is is <laughs> is <laughs> which is always you know funny to play with and yeah i mean I, I i totally agree with what you guys are saying and uh what joey says is that a lot of like especially writing for more genre specific things like a lot of it is like wanting to bring something new to the table and and figure out a way to kind of subvert um you know subvert the tropes that you've that you've seen before you know again like talking about cabin in the woods and what it did for the horror genre and and everything else and i think that's a big part of of um when you write characters is you all want them to have their unique voice and that's you know that's always the biggest part for me is that if i can figure out what all the characters want and um you know what they want and what's stopping them it becomes very easy to write in their voice uh, because as long as you're looking at it from their perspective um, you kind of know what they want to say. Maybe you won't always get exactly the way to articulate it, but you'll know what they want to say, and then from there you can, you know, fine tune it until it sounds like uh, it sounds pleasing. Sounds pleasing to the ears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I have a question for Matthias. Actually, um, mm-hmm. what was the process like, uh, kind of hopping into this idea and going about editing it? Like, what were certain things that you kind of stuck to what did you find totally didn't work um yeah so i i went into it and the the first thing i really liked is just like the how you wrote it like i really liked your your i mean i don't know whether to call it prose or not but your description and stuff Mm -hmm. and your your dialogue so 
um, as I went through it, basically, it was like, okay, what are the things I really want to keep? Like, what are the best parts of this? And so it was like, okay, the dialogue and um, so the descriptions, but mostly the dialogue. And so I was trying to figure out that the, the, the problem that I, I worked on was basically how to keep those best pieces while uh, you know, changing the story to make it more streamlined or, or whatever, and just to to build the story around that that key strength essentially. Mm, I see, I see, yeah. And I mean, you definitely elevated this this story beyond what I possibly could have done by myself. <laughs> I mean, um, I I think that's a little bit higher than uh, <laughs> than 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 is the reality, but sure, yeah. <laughs> I think throughout the entire process that was definitely something that was needed was uh be it was you being able to figure out a way to streamline it and a way to kind of push it forward um with with little things like i know we talked so much about oh why doesn't he wake up every time this this happens and then that's when we started thinking about a sleeping pill that they give to him and then that's and then that idea of a sleeping pill branched off to this being more so of a of a scientific study versus a military study so yeah i don't know it was great collab um yeah we need to try more scripts for the future mm-hmm. um Okay, I think that's all we need to say about our story. Um, so we're going to go into the listener submitted story section, um, but uh, Joey and Colin are going to take a step back just for a second, uh, but they'll come back for the outro. So next up is our listener submitted story section. Thank you so much to everyone who did submit a story. Without y'all, of course, this podcast will be a little bit shorter. But before we go on, we're going to talk about all these stories intensely, which means we're going to spoil them. So, if you haven't read it, you should pause this podcast right now and go read them and come and come right on back so we can talk about them. Uh, there's some really good stories this week, so, uh, I mean, that's true every single week, but, like, go read them. <laughs> um, alright, who are we talking about this week, Jarvis? So, the stories we are going to be talking about this week are by Wildbow, Paradox, Ghost Pac-Man 4, Sarah Penguin, and... Nippleton. That's right. Um, all right, let's get into it. Uh, who's first? Cool. The first up is Sarah Penguin with the Spy Master and the Princess Part 13, Shadows. So this is the 13th chapter in this series that Sarah Penguin is How doing. How long How, has yeah, that's, going? That's, that's 13 <laughs> weeks. That's really impressive. That's Wow. Uh, yeah, that's a whole, that's more than three months. Four, eight, twelve. Yeah, that's a week over three, three months. I mean, personally, I've never done anything over three months. Uh-huh. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so this is the series where uh, Spy Master saved a princess, and they've got an ongoing romance in the midst of a civil war. Um, mm-hmm. So in this one, it, this is cut into two scenes. Our first one is essentially uh, Duke Vargulf, the leader of the uh, loyalist forces, Um basically planning out the next battle and planning where everyone's going to go. We can kind of sense there's some foreshadowing here as uh, in this one, the spy master is going to be placed on the opposite um, flank. Um, so she'll be away from the princess and we're <laughs> pretty sure that something is going to happen there uh, when the battle mm-hmm. eventually goes on. Um, and then we have the other half of the scene, which takes place inside the princess's tent where the, the spy master is there too. The princess is reading a book while Faye, the spy master, is reading spy reports and um, 
kind of giving us an update on how the enemy is doing. When suddenly, uh, a masked uh, man appears at the door holding a sword and a blood-stained dagger. Um, and Faye has to drop everything and, and starts fighting him. And it's uh, pretty intense because he's armed with two weapons and she only has a knife, essentially. And even though she's really trained, uh, just being surprised like that and having um, being so outmatched in, in weapons is uh, really uh, puts her at a disadvantage. Uh, but luckily, basically, at the last second, after she gets stabbed right in her shoulder, um, the princess has picked up a sword and uh, cuts the assassin down. Um, and that's the first time that she's ever killed someone, which is pretty intense. Yeah, exactly. So I really love this this entry. Uh, we got a good look of what uh, this, this society lo- looks like post-war, kind of on the political side and the personal side uh and i do like how uh, a lot more care a lot more characterization is being done between Faye and the uh, princess uh and also when Faye did get stabbed i felt i was i was actually pretty scared for her like i wasn't sure if uh this might be the end so mm-hmm. i don't know i think uh that really drew drew me in and i think every entry just just continues to get better so yeah really great entry yeah, the uh, description of the knife sinking through her shoulders is oh. pretty. Uh, it's got some scraping bone in there, which is always fun. Love that, love that. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. All right, so the next one is by Nipotin with What a Little Bit of Rain Can Do. Uh-huh. So this is one of the... Um, so Nipotin chose here to write a basically very, very Stage short one-act play. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It probably which could, I love. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. Um, which you probably could be performed in a couple of minutes. And in fact, I mean, it would be pretty easy to perform. You only need like two and a half actors. So in this one, we have Jim and Julie, who are a couple. They're standing um, at the... Uh, it's raining outside, and they've taken refuge at Mario's, this, this restaurant. Um, so they're standing right at the entrance. We assume kind of like the windows are open and, and stuff. And so um, we start off with this very tense conversation between the two. Uh, Julie, uh, clearly pretty upset. Jim kind of pretending that there's nothing to be upset about. Um, <laughs> Jim's just saying it's just a little bit of rain. Um, Julie's saying that it's pouring out. And so we're kind of like, oh, you know, married couple spat. Oh, no. And uh, we at, at first we, we think that Julie's kind of being like aggressive here and like seeming to kind of blame Jim on, you know, all the problems that's happened today. Like, he can't control the weather. So, like, you know, it's not really fair for her to be angry. Um, But as we go through, we kind of start to understand that um, Julie just puts in a lot more effort in this relationship, and Jim is just always taken up with work. Um, And uh, the argument continually escalates. Um, This waiter shows up periodically, shows up three times, (laughs) essentially. um, The first time, just saying, are you guys going to want to eat? The second time, saying, hey, um, you're making people uncomfortable. Please calm down. And the third time, um, at the conclusion of the argument, after Julie stormed off, essentially saying that she's going to leave, not come back, um, comes to tell Jim that he's got to leave, too. And here we kind of get the final like switch where uh, Jim was saying basically that he has to work. It's not his fault that he has to work so much, but she's actually supremely rich when um, he turns around and says, I'll just give me the most expensive stuff. I'm like, basically yeah. I'll be, I'll make it worth your while to not kick me off. I'm going to eat at the restaurant, even if she yeah. wanted to run <laughs> off because her picnic wasn't perfect or whatever. Yeah. And, and I really like the sort of turnaround that we get over the course of this. 
Yeah, definitely. And I really love how the dialogue is written in such a way that when you read it, you can tell that they're both falling, like they're both speaking over the the other. And it, and it really brings across the nature of this argument. So yeah, I uh, really like both of these characters because it seems like they, they're both trying their their best to get at the core issue while also stepping uh, uh, around it. So I think overall this is a really well constructed scene that I can I can perfectly see uh, working very well on stage. So yeah, really mm-hmm. great job. Yeah, I love the echoing of um, only a little bit of rain, the the title here, um, yeah. which is basically like you know I'm trying not to make a big deal out of it, even though it you know maybe is a little bit more. Um, and yeah, I really like how it's it's kind of clear that there's a lot more to this situation than mm-hmm. just this one scene. A lot um, of context. A the lot of context. the one little uh, critique I think is that the interruptions back and forth are perhaps like a little bit too much, mm-hmm. um, where a, a lot of the dialogue is very very short because it's just uh, getting cut off. So maybe just cutting back on a little bit of it, I I think might make it read a little bit better. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But thank you very much for your submission. Mm-hmm. Uh, and next up is Paradox with Transaction 10. So this is the 10th entry in Paradox's <laughs> series, uh, which has uh, the flock and our main character. Uh, uh, I think, wait, is she the Robin now? I forgot. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure her name changed to Robin. Right, from Sparrow, right? Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, not, not in the very last one, but uh, for a little while. So this is where they're kind of like a super-powered, uh, cybernetic um, uh, sort of assassins uh, with, a, with a bird theme. Yeah. So in this one, we have our character at this party. Uh, we get a lot of um, clues about what kind of... Um, the, the kind of people that are here. This is a fancy uh, museum. But instead of, uh, you know, people respectfully looking at the art and things like that, it's actually basically a... Uh, party for high-class criminals and we kind of understand that our main character here is uh, has come to kill the main person the person putting on the party mr. Grant and so uh, this huge guy we kind of understand he's probably some sort of bodyguard or something uh, Mm. approaches her saying that mr. Grant wants to see her Uh, she follows him out um, basically preparing for a fight she says we don't have to do this and he says we do and they start to fight, uh, but it basically her attacks don't work, and he knocks her unconscious. She wakes up tied to a chair, and one of her partners is there as well. And we're like, oh shit, this is actually this has gone pretty bad pretty fast. Someone opens the door. Uh, Connor Grant, the 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 son of the father, and he's coming with a knife. And we're like, oh crap, is this is this it for our, our main character? Probably not, but like, you know, we're worried <laughs> about her. We don't want her to get stabbed or anything. And, uh, no, but he comes in and he cuts her loose. He asks, you're, you're here for my old man, right? Gonna take him out? I wanted info first, but, yeah, that was the, that was the gist. And, uh, the son of the, the criminal mastermind says, good, I'm in. Which is a fun, fun twist here and an escalation in the plot. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, like, I thought this was a really cool, cool entry. I love the description of this party give us the uh, overall air of of this party. Uh, and then going forward, what I really liked was that uh, the 
the main character went into this with with so much confidence only for to as you said go pretty bad um and and i think the the twist at the end is it was pretty interesting and uh i'm very eager to see kind of what what happens next between our main character and uh, grant jr <laughs> grant jr um yeah my one little critique is basically that that fight with that um bodyguard happens a little she loses a little quick and yeah it seemed like i, I wasn't sure like why she let herself get into a fight that she was going to so easily lose you know yeah um, like exactly. she seemed more confident and there wasn't like a like a surprise in it well, I mean, I guess there was a little bit because the the bouncer didn't fall to her taser. But even so, yeah, so just maybe like adding in a little bit of a, a twist in there, like her uh, over-reliance on this taser, maybe set that up as, as uh, you know, maybe a flaw in her in her plans. Mm-hmm. Or otherwise, you know, give us a reason for why she loses to this guy. Yeah, exactly. But either way, really good entry. Uh, and next up is Ghost Pac-Man 4 with A Long Day. So we start off this with uh, our, our main characters uh, having just exited a, a dungeon of some sort or, or, or some other, mm-hmm. um, some ruins, uh, taking out a bunch of treasure. As we understand it, basically, they are adventurers, uh, but like a adventuring party more in the like business uh, sense, not necessarily just like going around for fun. Um, we have uh, Chester, who is... Uh, he owns the wagon and and basically is the the the, the capitalist here and uh, funding the venture. <laughs> um, and uh, we have uh, two warriors and then our main character, um, all kind of uh, working together. And so we have some fun banter. We set up our characters. We start kind of liking some before our main character receives a <laughs> screaming message from a uh, glowing gem on 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 the wrist, which is kind of like a a transmitter for the entire uh, kingdom. So we kind of understand mm-hmm. that this is sort of like a like an amber alert system. Um, yeah. <laughs> where the yeah. the the mages uh, can push out the message, the, um, and the more important the message, the further it goes. And they're out kind of in the boonies, so they're like, oh, this is a very important message. And the message is that um, a, a horde from beyond the northern perimeter has made their way past the guards and that they're basically invading the, the country. So we're like, oh, shit, what the fuck is a horde? <laughs> and this is really bad that it's it's uh, has to uh, send a message to basically the entire kingdom. It's not like a, a localized thing. And so uh, our our characters with their loot, they're like, okay, well let's get going and start rushing back to where they need to go. Uh, but along the way, they see a giant monster, a Fenrir, a giant wolf that usually hunts in packs, but doesn't. But this one is not. This one is alone and starving, malnourished, diseased. There's clearly, it was pretty clear that like wherever it came from was so much worse than where it is now. Uh, but it's still like a giant, terrifying monster. Uh, one of our main characters, not the main character, but one of our main characters, one that we kind of get got to like, she kind of has like a repartee with um, <laughs> uh, our main character, uh, charges in to fight the Fenrir. Uh, while the rest can kind of uh, get going, and she, we, we, we have some stuff set up. She has got this, you know, magical sword. She's a great fighter. She goes in. Uh, she uses up her abilities to uh, cut off one of the legs of of the Fenrir, but this thing is just like truly monstrous. When she cuts off the leg, it goes and bites the leg because it's so starving. It wants yeah. to eat it immediately, and then before that, it, that even goes down its throat, its throat goes to bite her and we think 
oh shit, she might win this, but no, because it had the leg inside of its mouth, she can't stab it in the mouth where it's vulnerable, and she gets swallowed up, and we think that she's completely dead. Um, like her like arms are bitten off is kind of how I pictured it, and there's blood everywhere, and uh, we're really worried that oh no, now it's going to turn on our main characters. But then, uh, out from the stomach comes. Dahlia, that that character, she she cuts her way free, but it's still not enough. This monster is so terrifying and horrifying that even cutting it's free from its stomach, the entrails on the ground, it uh, turns and tears her in half, basically, or, or bashes her head in against a rock, um, and starts eating its own inside. So like clearly, this is just like deranged, um, and it really <laughs> makes. It, it, it's more than inhuman it's like it's very obviously and uncannily unnatural um mm-hmm. and i think that was really well executed so at this very end here our, our 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 characters are basically running away as this thing eats its own entrails and in the distance we see birds uh flying away flying north flying away from the the horde that is encroaching yeah <laughs> which i i think the world building done in this is spect spectacular uh, not only are we thrown into a pretty cool world in the uh, 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 in the beginning that uh, a lot of good character work was done in that dialogue, but then later, as soon as that message, uh, as soon as that message come, uh, comes out, I think that's a really great uh, turning point from it because then from from there we are meted by this creature that uh, honestly the the writer did a fantastic job at kind of setting up the danger of this creature and then just watching the curiosity and the uh, and the bloodlust of this creature was kind of insane to 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 read so so yeah i i thought it did a fantastic job at at at, at uh, gripping us and then also taking us through so really great entry yeah i was pretty disturbed by this this wolf monster <laughs> very <laughs> well all right up up next and our final one for today is by Wildbow with Fair. And uh, this is a crazy story. <laughs> okay. Uh, fair is in like a bus fair. So uh, this is one of Wildbow's <laughs> stories. Of course, it's a very interesting world. We have our main character, Wetterpan, and uh, Altma. Altma is <laughs> a dead girl that uh, Wetterpan is working on. Uh, basically uh, appraising the body. We kind of understand pretty quickly that she is, her body is going to be used somehow, probably. Um, it, it's something I, that we sort of pick up over over the course of the conversation that she's likely going to be reanimated or something, or otherwise her corpus is going to be used to like for, for labor. Um, and we mm-hmm. kind of understand that she's not going to be herself. Uh, but the more important thing here is Wetterpan's um, negotiations and the, the revealing of, uh, of the world with the, the family of the deceased. So uh, what's interesting is she has three parents. The families here um, mostly have three parents because they just need that extra stability of an extra person. And uh, there's interesting, like, different uh, familial roles for each of them. Through looking at them, we understand that there's this uh, thing with uh, religions and cults and trends uh, kind of being exhumed from the earth and adopted in almost fashion trends. Very short-lived, um, and uh, this annoys Wetterpan because um, one of these religious trends, whatever the religion of this family, is to uh, burn herbs inside the mouth of the, de- of the deceased, and uh, that makes her less valuable because it, it weakens some, some effects that Wetterpans want to perform on the body. 
Um, we're going to say a bunch of other things. Basically, there's no currency in this world. Instead, they just trade favors. It, basically, the only people that matter are these families um, who trade in favors and, and years of service, essentially. Um, so it's kind of like a false currency that only the, the rich can use. We finally come to understand this this thing about um, how this world is almost in this like continuously uh, collapsing world. We see in how uh, Wetterpan describes the the uh, castle where where they live, where the solid rocks are more valuable than all the minerals inside of it. That basically this world is is full of ruins and society built on top of these ruins, where the ground is so unstable it can collapse. Basically, all of society is built around digging things up from beneath the earth and trying to understand it and trying to sort of reclaim some sort of glory from down there. Um, this peaks when uh, we, we get to the final bit of world building after, after a lot of um, build up that uh, from the core of the world, which which weeps. We, so we get that this world <laughs> is not a very happy place. Um comes uh, these waters that as they travel over these ancient histories buried beneath the ground they take on meaning and uh, depending on the the meaning that they picked up and how pure the meaning is um, they these waters will have different effects and but as they flow from these fountains these places of pure meaning uh, the effects get tainted and either less affected less effective or twisted or something like that and the most un- important one right now uh, to, to the story is uh, an offshoot from a, a fountain of life, which if you drink from the fountain of life, you could bring someone back from the dead. If they were recently dead, you could heal any wounds. But this uh, offshoot, this stream, it's been tainted. So it can't do that to people who are alive, but it can bring back the dead um, as basically zombies or soldiers and um, it, like like stitched in twig, if you've read that. <laughs> So um, that's what our, our main character is here to do. And he sort of uh, negotiates with the family who's really upset. There's this daughter who uh, has a very interesting, um, adopted an interesting religious uh, practice. Um, and they're really, you know, upset that they have to do this, that they have to give away her body. Um, but, the, you know, they have to do this because this, this world um, built upon reclaiming the past is so unstable that they have to grab onto anything they can. Yeah, so uh, I really like like this one. And I absolutely love Wild Bo's prose. Every paragraph is filled with this striking imagery that just really adds even more so to the feel and the meat of of this this world. Um, and from the very be- beginning, we are slowly re- uh, revealed to this crazy, interesting world that I can just see so many possible stories being in. And then over the course of the story, uh, as it seems to get more and and more dire, we are introduced to this, I guess, sort of biological magic that I think is just really, really cool. And uh, I absolutely love the setting of this. And I think this this is a must read. So fantastic job. Uh, yeah, I think the core theme here about um, basically uh, this world being full of this uh, crumbling history where mm-hmm. people bring back things from the past, but they might be entirely misinterpreted and given an entirely new meaning, but that's not the meaning that really matters. And sort of a, like, it seems that no, nothing in this world is actually remembered as it once was. It's only remembered as, as a sort of half-baked interpretation. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's this very tragic world. 
sad story. <laughs> sad world, sad sad story. But it, I don't know. It it definitely seems to sort of open up to possibility, which mm-hmm. I really like from the story. So really great job. Uh, so yeah, that is that is all of the stories for for this week. Sadly, but we do want to say thank you to everyone who did submit. So thank you very much to Sarah Penguin, Nipitin, Paradox, Bisexual Punch Party, Ghost Pac Man Four, and of course Wildbow. Uh huh. And also we want to say thank you to everyone who did leave a comment. Uh, leaving a comment not only helps you understand more about your story and find certain things that worked and didn't work but you can also provide that that feedback to someone else which is the whole point of doing the right thing right so thank you very much to ghost pacman 4 nippleton kippos 21 and paradox thank you so much yeah you guys did a fantastic job thanks if you want to be like all of these wonderful writers and submit your story to do the right thing you can do that by going to our Reddit, which is slash r slash do the right thing. All you have to do That's right. is pick the latest week, use three of four randomly generated words in a story that you write for 30 minutes, and you go ahead and post it. That's right. Um, you can find out the words as soon as possible by finding uh, by following us on Twitter, which our Twitter is at rightthingcast. Uh, if you don't have a uh, Reddit account, or you just want to tell us what's up, you can send us an email at rightthinkcast at gmail.com. Exactly. And if you want to support us and all of the wonderful things that we do on the Doof Network, you can do that by donating to Doof Media Patreon. Uh, you can donate as much as a dollar per, per month, and you'll be able to access cr- crazy perks like being part of the Doof Media Discord, along with, of course, supporting the content that you hopefully enjoy listening to. <laughs> very, very confident assertion, that one. <laughs> um, at this $10 level, you get access to a bunch of bonus content, and there's there's some great stuff in the works, I know, and, and Matt Freeman's doing uh, Freeman Bros with his brother, talking about a lot of philosophical concepts and stuff, but I know I've been talking about this for weeks, but it is happening this week. Jarvis and I are going to record... A podcast talking about Pola Magi Madoka Magica yes. and why it's a wonderful anime. Did we ever I don't know, come it, up with a title? Um, oh, no, hell no. Uh, so, Joe and Colin are back. I don't know if I said that earlier because we're recording this out of, oh, out of order. Hey. Did you guys ever watch an anime? Have I ever watched an anime or that? Anime? Uh, no, I haven't. That uh, either is a, a good question to ask. I've I've watched a frequent. Have you ever seen I've watched name? a many anime. I have not seen that your one. Your name is great. <laughs> no. Your name is pretty good. Uh, it's like I one haven't. of the three I've seen. Yeah. I think we it's have sad. an episode about that on the Doofcast. Mm-hmm. I think they liked it, which they they normally hate anime. So that's a pretty uh, high bar that it passed. Um, they didn't like Paula Magi Magica Magica, which is why Jarvis and I are going to do a redemption episode. Yeah. Um, and then wrong. we're gonna we're gonna switch it out, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then uh, take their throne as uh, the Doof Masters. We'll be so, King Doof. Uh, that's right. So that's one of the things that's going on with the Doof Network. Uh, in addition, um, there is a fan art contest going on with the Decomposing Worm and Pale Reflections. Uh, speaking of, go uh, read Pale, which is Wildbo's most recent work, uh, and then listen to that podcast, which is uh, incredible. I I really enjoy it. And I'm going to mention it because I know that one of Wadbo's uh, stories was selected this week, even though I'm recording this out of order. 
if you have even more spare money, uh, go consider donating to Wildbo's Patreon because uh, that's how he can continue writing not only his uh, money making sh- money making stories, <laughs> but uh, do the side projects like this. Joey, Colin, uh, please, uh, where can we find y'all? Anything you want to plug or say before uh, we get go? I just want to thank you guys for having us on. It was a great time. I really enjoyed collaborating it, with Joey and and writing and then coming on and talking with you th- guys. Thanks for the um, um, idea, um, by the way. For the yeah. uh, we wouldn't have done the scripts episode if it wasn't for y'all. So oh well, thank you so much. That's great. You can. That's all. That's all, Joey. Joey's the 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 beating heart of of keep it short and everything and oh, all yeah, things sure, creative definitely. there. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you can follow uh, us at our names on the internet, um, which is just the best way I've ever said that. Um, and you can listen to Keep It Short. Mm-hmm. If uh, you've pro- most people probably came here from Keep It Short because I can't imagine listening to our voices here and then going to listen to Keep It Short after. I can't imagine. Right, yeah, they're like, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, like yeah. these guys get one episode and it's a crossover. <laughs> That's it. Um, yeah. But yeah, thank you for having us on. Yeah. Uh, Keep It Short is a film podcast. It's a good time. You can go to Keep It Short SFC on Twitter to find more information about that. Uh, you can follow me and Colin at our names on the internet, as I just said. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's about it. Thank you for yep, having yep. us on. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, l- like I said at the, the top of the episode, we guessed it on uh, Keep It Short today as well. Um, we talked about a variety of topics, mostly just our favorite movies and stuff, but it was a really, really good time. Yeah. Um, in addition, I want to plug Joey's YouTube because you have some really great content on there, and I really Thank enjoyed you. it. I'm sorry, Colin, I have not experienced your stuff, but if you do have a YouTube or short films and things, please uh, tell me and I will link it and also tell me right now and then it will be in audio format. Yeah, for sure. You can just, uh, I think if you Google um, my name, Colin Galoon, you can find my YouTube page, which has the most recent short film that I made, um, which actually has Joey in Ooh. it. So you'll be able to see that's a, what Joey that's looks like. a two-foot like right there. <laughs> in real life, yeah, not just in voice format. And um, yeah, so if you if you just do that you should be able to find me follow joey on tiktok mm. because uh tiktok isn't going anywhere <laughs> that's right we'll see. we're looking at we're looking oh, at the I, band I, podcasts I, I, yeah uh <laughs> yeah. oh, podcast <laughs> you should do an executive order band podcast that would be great finally i mean that would be like the one good thing he's yeah, done you know like this. yeah i mean i think his approval ratings would like skyrocket oh, after yeah. something like that you know <laughs> I'd vote for him. So Rogan would be like, you know what? Make me re- reconsider. Think, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I'm voting. I think for, I'm voting I think for, I'm Joe. for Joe if he's banned in podcast. Joe Rogan should run for president. <laughs> and that's my he closing statement. Get a God, don't, don't even joke. I can't. King of the no. Joe Rogan. <laughs> that's my final statement. Jamie, pull up that clip. Of the <laughs> executive <order>. <laughs> <laughs> that's how he should announce. It. He said, "Jamie, pull up that clip of the deer getting hit by." Wait, actually, no. Pull up my. Put up this video, and then it's his campaign video. It's where he announces. Yeah, yeah. It's his campaign. It's... <laughs> yeah, that sounds sounds like a plan. Um, all right, uh, let's let's find out next week's words. Cool. Next week's words are abolish, facts, romantic, and air. Wow, all thematic to uh, yeah, the election. Yeah, you're actually going to get some political. <laughs> political things like a political romance story it's like romeo and juliet but it's like a democrat and a republican oh so donald trump and joe biden fall in love wow 
Someone could write the I, next Dave. Do you guys remember that movie? <laughs> Have you guys? So. Do you guys know about um, Barack Obama and Joe Biden Save the World? I don't know if that's the actual okay. name of the book, but yeah. it's uh, basically a fanfic where the two of them yes. do like a spy movie kind of thing. Oh. It's, it's it was kinda, originally it, pitched as an animated it's, series. It's oh. pretty good propaganda. I'm not gonna lie. I will watch that series. Like enjoyable propaganda. I mean, I know it's like a joke, I but think... it's all like a, you know, you know. <laughs> it does what it does. I think we've. I think we've progressed far enough as a society, and I think we can stop there. <laughs> okay. I think yeah, we can end it. it. Okay. <laughs> I think that could be the last Hit thing the we do. Um, okay, so back to the words. So abolish as in to, um, what, how, how would you define it? I, I never look up slavery, definitions, by the way. Get rid of. Yeah, to, to, to end a thing, usually a law, um, but also you could, I don't know, abolish Dictionary.com says, formally put an end oh, to thank you. parentheses, I'm a system, practice, or institution. Okay, it's that last part that I was disappointed. I was like, I'm going to abolish the person <laughs> um, formally. Uh, facts, not as in the, um, like, like, a, like a factoid, not as in the truth, but a facts as in like a fax machine mm-hmm. where it's a machine that sends uh, a, a paper from one place to another is that what it does it sends a picture of a paper to another place yeah it takes like forever for it, to it prints print, it out makes it automatically an image of a document made by electronic scanning and transmitted as data by telecom wow we should have just just have you on you, you should, should take my job yeah. Colin. like without me i'm, I mean, yeah. I'm holding him back so <laughs> no you're not no you're not what are you talking about i mean about? i wouldn't you, you could definitely come back on for sure i mean joey has already been on without you so it's, it would only be yeah. fair so yeah, it's true. I only yeah, Winslow's <laughs> solo episode. The Colin show. Dying for it. Um, the 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 four words will be Colin, 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 and Colin. Ooh, that would the, be great. So then there's romantic, which is something to to have an air of of romance, which also could be meanings meaning of um like the romantic era, mm-hmm. which is a an aesthetic movement, or it could be um, not just the the love kind of romance. Though there's another kind of a romance? Uh, another kind of romantic. I forget what it is. Uh, you could probably do that. That, that has it. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. And last one, air. Uh, not as in the, the thing that you're breathing, but as in like the air to the throne. So. Okay. Um, that was the longest uh, words explanation <laughs> time that I've, I've ever done. That was a good like 10 minutes. Jesus. Because, nice. you know, a couple of those words, maybe someone could get mixed up. You don't want someone throwing in, like, the word air when you mean That's air. That's right. Yeah. I mean. That would be a disaster. <laughs> I'd have to ban them, like, from Reddit. <laughs> Perma ban. Never be allowed yeah. to post your story <laughs> again. <laughs> uh, so, Jarvis, what story are you going to write next week? Oh, uh, next week, I'm going to write a story about how we abolished paper. You see, uh, in mm-hmm. this world, let's say it's take, it, take, it takes place in 2077. Uh, we've like cut down almost every single last tree, all to make really thick paper money because we quickly found out that if people don't like cash or coins, maybe they will like credits, which is like paper money, except it has a different name. And people absolutely loved it because of the different name. You could buy and sell credits used for anything. You could even fax your friend credits if he's having a hard time. Um, but <laughs> the issue here is that because we because we have to create so many credits, eventually uh, a lot of the uh, left wingers 
uh, start hugging trees and chaining their their bodies to uh, giant axes, right? So so mm-hmm. eventually, after about three to four different elections, uh, the bill finally came to say, "Oh, it's time to abolish paper," which was signed. And it and it went into to law, but it did so right before the second major militia was built to overthrow the the uh-huh. president and elect a new heir. And this new heir, goddamn, he loves his paper, no matter what. So one so one week after the law was set into was set into place, it was revoked, so that paper can be can be produced. On an even greater scale. Uh, romantic. <laughs> that was beautiful, Jarvis. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Joey, uh, do you have a story ready for us? Uh, for next week. Um, yeah, I'm going to do mm-hmm. uh, Avatar fan fiction. Okay. Avatar is big. Yeah, Avatar is pretty big right now. It's uh, It takes place after the, the original series. Uh, and it's about mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a political thriller, and it's just it's just Avatar Aang and uh, Fire Lord mm-hmm. Zuko. Spoilers for a twelve year old show, uh, and Fire Lord Zuko <laughs> as they uh, it's it's as, it's as old as Aang. The laws, but they have to go through the proper channels to change the laws, and that's that's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were to use all four words in your description, uh, could I you could do that right now? Reminded me what the words were. They are uh, abolish facts, romantic, and air. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, they're gonna work together to uh, abolish the uh, the very fascist laws of the Fire Nation. Um, Aang is gonna <laughs> hang out and uh, uh, reestablish the uh, the air the air uh, temples, the air nations, and stuff. Um, <laughs> he's I'll gonna have it. a very sure. romantic time with Katara. And Zuko with May, and what was that last word? Mm-hmm. Facts. I think it's facts. And, and all everything I said is facts. It's all true. F A X. Oh, fax machine. That's right. I forgot. Uh, damn. Uh, electric <laughs> electricity bending, lightning bending. They're gonna invent technology. And and the fax gonna... machine. The Xerox machine specifically, but yeah. it's still a fax machine. That's amazing. Wow. I would. Um, I would do a hostile takeover of Nickelodeon yeah, just to no, make this happen. I'll get slimed. Uh, <laughs> uh, Colin, do you, do you have a story ready or do you need another second? Um, yeah, I mm-hmm. could, mm-hmm. I could mm-hmm. come up with something. Uh, to, uh, I, uh, all right, let's see. Uh, a couple, um, their, their first uh-huh. date, uh, they, uh, you know, young yuppie couple, they decide they want to do something silly. Um, so they find the fax number for their local Scientology uh, uh-huh. center, and they decide they're going to fax them uh, like uh, hundreds of copies of the Bible in an attempt to like waste all mm-hmm. their paper. And they think it'll be very—they'll think it'll be very funny. Um, and uh, so they uh, so they do this because you know they want to abolish the. Uh, uh, they want to abolish the the predatory institution of Scientology, and they think that by doing this, um, by wasting their resources, they'll help to diminish them. You know, it's a very romantic mm-hmm. night. They're discovering goofy things about each other when suddenly their printer begins to uh, 
act up and they get a fax from the Church of Scientology and it's just a large black it's just a black piece of paper (laughs) just just and they see it and they go what could this be and then they're kind of freaked out by it because they don't know how the Church of Scientology got their their fax number but they continue through the night and things get to things become increasingly stranger as uh, things begin to crawl out of the black piece of paper, mm-hmm. uh, seemingly a void from another world, eventually revealing um, uh, the heir to L. Ron Hubbard, <laughs> uh, L. Ron Hubbard Jr. <laughs> and uh, yeah, chaos ensues. Okay, that good. Fate F- F- oh, to black. Air, you have like to the, the breathing air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. My bad. It's all it's good. It's okay. I forgive you, Jerry. Matthias, what Sorry. story are you going to write next week? Um, yeah, no, no, I got this. I, I totally was uh, preparing myself this whole time. So uh, we have a very uh, romantic story here. Um, you know, pretty classical. It's about a prince, actually, of a, of a kingdom who's looking for uh, a princess. Um, and uh, the thing, the thing that's the problem is that this is in a world where uh, everyone is, you know, at home because there's a plague going around, and so no one can actually see each other. But of course, there wasn't phones back then, so they had to fax each other. Um, and so the heir to the throne, right, this prince is sending these uh, love faxes back and forth with this princess off in the far-off land, um, which is really, really difficult because the fax machines have to be, you know, like generated with the power by horses. Like, they literally use horsepower uh, going around in a circle. It, it's, it's kind of really intensive... And um, after the horses die, because, you know, the plague, uh, both kingdoms, both the prince's kingdom and the princess's kingdom um, have to employ basically thousands of laborers to power this, these fax machines, um, which are basically descendants from, from the gods and stuff. Um, and over time, the people get really, really, you know, like upset about it because, you know, it's pretty tiring to be uh, pulling this fax machine just so they can send like lovey little dovey faxes back and forth. And so uh, the people rise up, you know, they, they break the fax machine, they storm the palace, uh, they throw the air onto the street, um, but then they continue on, they continue to the temple, and, uh, the, you know, it was temples of love, because, you know, it's a sort of romantic era, they pull down the, the goddess of love's, um, you know, statues and everything in an effort to abolish love in general, <laughs> because that's the true evil of the story. And uh, now that it's abolished, you know, they put the prince back in in power, the princess back in power, and uh, everything's cool after that. No faxes. <laughs> and that's my story. No no faxes. <laughs> I love it. That was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Thank we you. all definitely, uh, as a testament to our scripts and, and the wonderful stories that we told at the end, uh, we all really did the right thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs>